I want to share with you a little bit about uh, the time we are upon here now, and that is Shavuot, or as the Greeks called it, Pentecost. And so I'm not going to take a lot of time, but I kind of want to give you an idea of what this is about, because it's very interesting that there were three festivals that were required for you to go up to Jerusalem. And we see Passover, we see Tabernacles, and we see Shavuot, Pentecost. So this was one of the three big ones, and yet this is kind of one that's just kind of somewhat ignored, and nobody really knows anything about it. I mean, if I talk about Passover, at least most Christians will have a little bit of an idea of what it's about. If, if we talk about tabernacles, maybe somebody might know a little bit about Sukkot. But if we talk about Shavuot, I'm willing to bet hardly anybody would know a thing, unless you say the word Pentecost. Now, Shavuot is a big deal, and it is something that I think is worth talking about. Now, after we see the Feast of First Fruits going on, we see Jesus dies on Passover. He rises from the dead on the next Feast of First Fruits. And then the next festival is this one. And we see that the Holy Spirit is given. And I'm not going to go into great detail as far as all of the things. I'm going to give you just some tidbits. But bottom line is, the Holy Spirit is given on this day. But if you backed up to the time in the Old Testament, this is when Mount Sinai took place and the Ten Commandments were given. Under the Ten Commandments, you see that 3,000 people die under the law when the golden calf incident took place. But in the New Testament, we see under the spirit of the law, 3,000 people are saved on the, this very same day. And so this is the portion of it, the fact that the Holy Spirit was given on Pentecost, that's the part that these non-Jews Jews get, or I miss, I should say. Those Jews that don't know Jesus as Messiah, which really aren't Jews, they missed it. But for us, that's what it was pointing to, and that's remarkable. And so what the Jews see this as is a remembrance of the giving of the law, but also they recognize the Spirit. You might uh, remember that I did a message on tongues of fire and that whole thing goes over what happened here at um, the giving of the Ten Commandments. And what happened was fire went out to all the nations. That literally, this is how the Bible describes it. You don't pick, it up, pick up on it reading it in English, but it literally says in the Hebrew that there were tongues of fire that went out from Mount Sinai. Just like in the New Testament, tongues of fire go out. And what was the goal? so that the nations would hear the word of God. So they recognized that the spirit of God was working at Mount Sinai. So what they would do in the temple days is that they would have two wheat loaves that were brought into the temple and offered as a bikurim um, uh, offering, which is basically the first fruits of uh, kind of some of their crops, the best and first of their crops. And it's basically a type of thank offering. It has nothing to do with sins being forgiven or anything like that. It's just gratefulness, kind of like Thanksgiving. And so that's what they would do at this time. Now, 
it is customary for the Jews today, if they celebrate Shavuot, to spend all night tonight learning Torah and going over Torah. And the reason they do that is because... Well, you're, they're going to talk about it in a little video that I'm going to show you, I think. And so you'll see it. But just note that that's one of the things that they do. They'll stay up all night to read Torah. Then tomorrow, what they will do, which because tomorrow is Shavuot, what they do is they will go to the synagogue and listen to the reading of the Ten Commandments. To remember, this is when the Ten Commandments were given. And so it is a special Sabbath tomorrow for them. We have a Sabbath today, and then tomorrow a special Sabbath because of Shavuot. Now this also happened at Passover, which is why we see in Jesus' time, remember they wanted to get him in the grave before sundown, before the Sabbath. And we see him rising then on a Sabbath. So as a result, there's two Sabbaths because there was a special Sabbath or a high Sabbath during Passover. That's why you see two Sabbaths mentioned when you read about the crucifixion. Well, after the reading of the Ten Commandments, a lot of times they will read the book of Ruth. And the reason they read the book of Ruth is because Ruth is a descendant of David. And as a result, they say, their tradition says that David died on Shavuot. Well, a descendant of David is also Jesus. Also significant, right? So what they do is they do what's called the counting of the Omer. After first fruits, they start counting days, and they count seven weeks. Seven weeks is seven sevens, 49 days. So on the 50th day, you have Shavuot, or as the Greeks called Pentecost. Penta, it's for that 50. And so that is the season we are upon here. I want to show you just a couple of videos from non-Messianic Jews, but we're going to read between the lines a little bit and see what they say about this festival. All right? So watch this. Hi, I'm Rabbi Yisrael Glick, and I want to share something about the holiday of Shavuos that will completely overhaul what this holiday means to you. Shavuos is referred to as the festival of the giving of the Torah, celebrating the day when God presented the Torah to us on Mount Sinai seven weeks after the exodus from Egypt. But do you know that the Torah was actually being studied for generations before this happened? So what are we celebrating? The fact that God made an official presentation ceremony? That can't be right. And it's actually not. What we celebrate on Shavuos is something incredibly profound that happened when God officially presented the Torah to us more than three millennia ago. You see, before the Torah was presented to us, we were studying it and following its directives on our own merits. And, as usual, what we could achieve was proportional to our personal abilities. But then, on the sixth day of the month of Sivan, seven weeks after the exodus from Egypt, God presented the Torah to us. And from that moment on, when we study Torah, and when we follow its guidelines, we are doing it on the merits of the creator of the universe. And now, what we can achieve is infinite, because it's proportional to the abilities of the creator. From the moment that God presented the Torah to us, Every time we follow its guidelines, we bridge the gap between matter and spirit. Now that we're operating on the Creator's merits, we're no longer bound by the rules that separate between physical and spiritual. And every time we use a bit of the world to do something right, we change its nature and make it divine.
The ability to unite the physical and the spiritual is something that's exclusive to God. And we can only do it because he gave the Torah to us, empowering us from that point on to operate on his merits. While the Torah was being studied and its directives followed long before it was presented to us, that official presentation affected an incredibly profound change in our relationship with divinity and in our ability to change the world. And that is definitely worth commemorating. I find that interesting that one of the things that they say, well, two things. First of all, Torah, law, was there before Mount Sinai. Okay, it was just at Mount Sinai, God was giving them the ability to live it out spiritually, not just physically. Okay, that he put it something about uniting the physical and the spiritual. Well, isn't that exactly what the New Testament has done, what the Holy Spirit has done, Him living in us. The law never went away. He just has basically allowed us the power now, through the Spirit, to keep those commandments. And so the physical and the spiritual are coming together. And that's what He was foreshadowing, I believe, with the fire going out from the mountain. Because... It's going to come. There will be a day when tongues of fire come again on Pentecost. And so pretty neat to me, I think, anyway. Um, the human mind cannot attain the divine wisdom on its own, is what the Talmud and some of the uh, Jewish rabbis teach. Uh, the human mind can't attain divine wisdom on its own. How much more truth can you get? We cannot understand the word of God apart the Holy Spirit and you know the, the Son. No one can come to the Father unless they go through the Son. No one can go to the Son unless the Father draws him. And so he said it, that must be given to it, the mind, by God himself. That's what the Spirit does. That's what we're celebrating is the Holy Spirit and God giving it to us, to the mind, so that we can even understand who he is. Because apart from the Spirit, the flesh is dead. And so they record that while the Bible doesn't say this specifically, their history records that Moses did not speak to them on that first day that they reached Mount Sinai, the first month of Sivan. And they say the reason that was is because an empty vessel um, can receive, but a full vessel cannot receive. In other words, what they were saying is they needed to empty themselves, humble themselves, prepare themselves for what God was about to give to them. And I thought, that's really a good thing. I mean, that's what we should be doing is preparing ourselves these last 50 days to receive what God wants to do. We should be an empty vessel ready to be filled by the Holy Spirit. And so this is all what they teach. I spent a few hours today just reading through the Mishnah and stuff like that, seeing what the Jews see about Shavuot. And I couldn't read a paragraph without going, wow, put that into the perspective of Yeshua, Jesus, and the Messiah. Look at this here video, one more here. Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, 
Passover, and of course, Hanukkah. Ask anyone on the street to name some Jewish holidays, and those are probably the most common answers you'll get. But what about Shavuot? Ever heard of that one? Not everyone has. But don't be fooled. Shavuot, while not as well known, easily makes it into the top five list of biblical holidays. Let's begin where everything Jewish begins, in the Torah. And you shall count for yourselves from the morrow of the rest day, which means the first day of Passover, seven weeks. And that's it. That's all the Torah tells us about why we celebrate Shavuot. Really? Okay, I guess I was just expecting something a little more, I don't know, exciting? No miracles, no prophecies, no wicked genocidal tyrants. I mean, I know Shavuot is a Yom Tov, a festival in which work is forbidden, kind of like Shabbat. And I know there's a big deal about attending services on the first morning and accustomed to eat cheesecake and other dairy foods to celebrate the day. But what does all of that have to do with this seven weeks passage? And what exactly are we celebrating anyway? To figure this one out, we need to go to the Talmud, where the rabbis fill us in with an important clue. Shavuot is celebrated after seven weeks from the first night of Passover. And we know that Passover is all about the exodus from Egypt, right? That's an easy one. So all we need to know is what happened to the Jewish people seven weeks after they left Egypt. The answer is only the greatest, most significant single event to have ever taken place in Jewish history, hands down. The Ten Commandments. No, not the Charlton Heston movie. The giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai. The voice of God booming from the mountain. The clouds of glory, claps of lightning, flashes of thunder, the blasts of the shofar throwing people back several miles, causing them all to faint on the spot. Now that's more like it. That right there is a Jewish holiday. To really understand why this day is so important, let's set aside the ice cream for a minute and dig into another Shavuot custom. Staying up all night, learning Torah. Why do we do that? Well, as the story goes, the night before the giving of the Torah, our ancestors wanted to be well rested, and so they all got a good night's sleep. Problem was, they slept so well that every one of them, and there were millions of them, showed up late to Mount Sinai the next morning. To fix their mistake, we stay up all that night and study Torah. To make sense of this, let's talk about sleep. When we go to sleep, our souls ascend to heaven and get as close as most of us will ever get to an out-of-body experience. So much so that when we wake up, we recite Mode'ani, a special prayer thanking God for returning our souls to us in the morning an out-of-body experience. What better way to prepare for a rendezvous with the Almighty? You would be right, except the Torah isn't just about the Almighty. It's about you. The event at Sinai was all about meeting God here, deeply rooted on planet Earth on our earthly terms. And that's why sleep was the wrong way to prepare. We need to be as awake, alert, and present as possible so that we can port God's presence into our physical, ordinary, corporeal reality. And that is what we celebrate on Shavuot. On this day, God came to be with us on earth. From that day on, he can be found in our ordinary activities, in kindness, in prayer, in Torah study, and even in ice cream, provided that it's kosher, you say a blessing before and after eating it, and you use its energy to serve God and make this world a better place. So every year on Shavuot morning, we had to shul and listen to the Ten Commandments, allowing their lessons to be etched in our hearts so that the Torah will be a part of our everyday lives throughout the year. Now that is a Jewish holiday. I just find so much of what they say there, and maybe you don't, I don't know, but so much of what they say very significant. First of all, as he said, 
the Bible doesn't say much about it. You get this sentence about count seven weeks. That's where you get the counting of the Omer. And that's all it says, and yet this is one of the required festivals that doesn't seem to be like a whole lot to go on to celebrate, right? So anyway, he says it was marking the greatest event in all Jewish history. Now, I would disagree with that. I think the greatest event was the resurrection and ascension of Christ, but I think that this was all pointing to that. So this was the precursor of it. But what was neat is, as I said, the precursor being that tongues of fire going out, the precursor to Pentecost. As Christians, we often have a tendency to focus only on the cross. Maybe sometimes not just the cross, but the empty tomb. And usually we stop there. But remember what Jesus said? He even said, unless I go, the counselor cannot come. We often forget that very important part of the Holy Spirit. Jesus had to go so that the Holy Spirit could come back. And what was the purpose? So that he could continue to dwell with man. What did he say was the whole point of this? So that God would meet with man on man's terms, in an earthly sense. That's exactly what he did. Jesus came to meet with them in the Passover, with the Passover lamb. And then he comes and meets with them and speaks to them on Mount Sinai, a precursor of Pentecost. This is what God wants. Jesus came. He dwelt with man on our earthly terms. But he wasn't going to leave us alone. He says, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to give you a spirit. What's that spirit for? To dwell with you so that you are not alone. And he continues to dwell with you on an earthly term, but in a spiritual sense, by living in us. And I just find that fascinating. Again, they're so close, so close, but they're just missing the last chapter. So just beautiful. Now, here's some commentary about this as well that I found fascinating, and I had to go check this out too, because in Exodus 19.2, it says, And there Israel camped opposite the mountain. And the commentary here said, All that this is uh, Rashi said, At all their other encampments, the verse says, Ve'achanu, and they camped, plural, ach, a new is kind of the plural form. They camped in the plural. Here it says, Vayachan. And he camped in the singular. For all other encampments were in argument and dissent. Meaning, everywhere else Israel camped, there was, there was arguing amongst each other. They were not united. But he says, whereas here they camped as one man. When they came to Mount Sinai, they came as one person. You, when you read this in the English, in Exodus 19.2, you do not pick that up. You go to the Hebrew, and it, it does. It's a singular form of that verb, and he camped. Now, 
I kind of tend to think that there's an aspect of God camping there with them. But the point is, is a unity. And so the Jews see this as that unity and the law brought unity. Well, guys, that's exactly what the word of God is supposed to do for us. You know what? We shouldn't have to argue whether it's okay to have homosexual marriages. There should be no disunity because the law brings us together so that we know what truth is. There should be no argument about those kinds of things. Many other moral issues as well. And so, very fascinating to me because I'm going to propose to you that they were one because the Spirit of God there wanted them to be one. The Word of God would unite them to one. I mean, look at what the Bible says in the New Testament about this. John 17, 11, Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. We even see, and this is his prayer, and it's after he's praying for them after he leaves, when the Spirit would be given. We read in Philippians 1, 27, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Unity, built on the word of God and the spirit of God. Philippians 4.2, I implore Yodia and I implore Synteche, who knows, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Oneness. By the way, if you ever run across a name that you don't know in the Bible, just say it and act like you know it. <laughs> Nobody will question it because they don't know it either. All right? So that's all I'm doing. Anyway, um, other commentary here, Jewish commentary, same thing here about this, some other little tidbits. It says, With each and every utterance that issued forth from the mouth of God, the souls of Israel flew from their bodies, as it is written, Song of Songs, 5 or 6, My soul went out when he spoke. But since their souls departed at the first utterance, how could they receive the second one? Isn't that interesting? Their soul departed at the utterance of the word of God or the law of God being given. So how could they receive the second soul? Just keep that in mind. God brought down the dew with which he will resurrect the dead and revive them. What is this do? Like maybe living waters? In other words, even after they were revived by the divine dew, following the first utterance, this did not suffice to keep body and soul together at the second utterance, and the dew, which enabled them to absorb the second utterance, did not suffice for the third, and so on, with each and every utterance. This means that each utterance involved a greater revelation of divinity than the previous one. It got deeper and deeper and deeper to understand what God was saying. It, it was just more complex, you might say. Thus, the commandment, do not murder, for example, expresses an even loftier divine truth than remember the Shabbat, or I am God, your God. In other words, like I said, don't murder. There's an even loftier truth beyond that. Now, this whole thing could be a sermon in itself, but I found the fact interesting that your soul is going and this do needs to be able to come from God 
to be able to help you understand, to understand the deeper word of God. Well, look at what we read in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When we are in Christ Jesus, he sends his spirit, the dew from heaven, you might say. And it is that spirit in us who allows us to understand that thou shalt keep the Sabbath isn't just a rule. There is a loftier, more important spiritual meaning behind it. And again, I could have gone on and on and on, but I just wanted to share this little tidbit about Shavuot because I thought this is what we're celebrating. Tomorrow is another day of rest and it is a time for you to remember the commandments of God but not the letter of the law but the spirit of the law because the Holy Spirit now lives in you and you have been made new in Christ Jesus. And when you understand that spirit of the law it is a beautiful thing as Paul could say do we then nullify the law? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. The law is holy. It is righteous. It is good, he says in Romans as well. But without the Spirit of God, I don't think you will understand that. The dew that comes from heaven. So, with that, that's just a little bit about Shavuot. Give you some things to ponder and think about and understand what the celebration is about. Yeah. If it's too off topic. That's, again, I don't, I don't think there is much that we can say biblically about that. Uh, the closest we could come is like what he said here in Song of Solomon. My soul went out when he spoke. I, again, feel like many times what we see the Jews doing, which is ironic, sometimes they go so deep and other times it's just like so literal, that that's what they're saying. I'm not saying that happens outside of the fact that I see a spiritual significance that their soul went out. When God spoke, their soul went out so that another could come in. And in essence, that's exactly what the promise of Jeremiah 31 talks about when he talks about the new covenant. I will put a, my law in your heart. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Judah and the house of Israel at that time. I will write their law, my law on their hearts and put them in their minds. So that, in a sense, the old soul goes out so that we can receive another. Our old self has been crucified with Christ so that this body of sin might be done away with so that we now have the Spirit of Christ who comes and dwells in us as a new temple of God. When you sleep. Yeah, they, when you sleep... It's, it's like your soul is apart from the body, in a sense, is kind of how they see it. I, I don't know all the depths of that, but that's just basically what there's. Yeah. Wasn't the manna like dew in the morning? It was, yeah. which I think is also significant. The, the, yeah, when the uh, manna was given, it fell like dew on the ground. It covered the ground like dew. We even see, too, I think some significance with Gideon and the dew and being wrung out that it's not just do that's the message there. There's a deeper message of God's presence somehow 
being involved in that. So, like I said, just fascinating what they see, but that's what they're celebrating here for Shavuot. One more thing I wanted to share. In Exodus 19.5, the same verses that they're talking about, it says, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. They talk about it making us a kingdom of priests. Somehow that all nations would become priests because of this dew coming down on Mount Sinai. Again, what makes us that? Jesus and the Holy Spirit. We see that in Exodus here talking about it. And you shall to be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. He's not just talking to the Levites there. This is prophetic. This is talking about all of us becoming a kingdom of priests. And this is what we see in Revelation. We see it in Ephesians. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God. And Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. So the parallels between what was going on there at Mount Sinai and the New Testament are everywhere. Uh, because that just reads right out of the New Testament, if you think that way, rather than just reading as an Old Testament story of Mount Sinai.